listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Okay, welcome back. It has been a while. We have been on a bit of a hiatus for the last month, it seems, with the holidays. We were doing our thirty beer, our 25 beers for Christmas. Um, we were putting stuff out there, but we hadn't had an opportunity to record anything with you know the ongoings of sports and the world that we have around us for quite a while. I'm Nick. With me, as always, is TJ. I can't even remember which way to point. TJ, who is hammered. Um, what I'm, up? Actually not, I'm actually not drinking tonight. I'm not drinking because nice. I, I came back off of Christmas and my parents went back down to Florida and I am a chunky monkey. And uh, I work at yeah. one of those jobs where if you're fat, they, they fire you. I'm like, I'm like a waitress at MGM. Nice. <laughs> where if you're fat, they fire you. Um, so I'm trying to lose some weight. So I'm doing my best not to drink. However, and I've said this and I stand by this. All right. It's not that I'm trying not to drink because alcohol makes you gain weight because I don't care what anybody says. That is a fucking lie. All right. And I won't have anybody besmirch the good name of alcohol with fucking trivialities and lies. All right. I'm not drinking alcohol because I'm trying to increase my water intake and you have to make a choice. Either you're going to be filled with beer or you're going to be filled with water. You can't really do both because it kind of counteracts one another. But I went a whole year without drinking alcohol, and I didn't lose not one fucking pound. Not one. Okay? And this was working out regularly. All right? I got COVID for a week, and I lost 10 pounds. So let's talk about that shit. But moving over. Forward, I guess you're going to get I, sick, right? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm in the same boat there, Nick. We're, we're, missing, uh, we're missing a third of this holy triumvirate. Uh, Anthony has got the Rona. So Anthony's out this week. Um, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, he's a handsome fella and we miss him. I think he's just being a prima donna. I mean, everybody knows COVID is over. He needs to cut the shit. He wants to be that last guy, try to bring it back, try to make it trendy again. It's not happening. Okay, Rook. (laughs) Selfish bastard. So, uh, the first thing I I just want to start, just comment on it very quickly because we're not that podcast. That podcast is on on Mondays, but I did want to comment on, cause I've been watching the broken skulls sessions on uh, Peacock. Um, Vince McMahon making his, uh, his return uh, to the WWE. And I'm kind of waiting for him to come at, back onto programming. And I'm kind of sitting here in suspense. Like, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm sitting here screaming that at Vince McMahon. Uh, but he comes back, and and I, I'm i not invested in wrestling anymore. Like, I haven't been really invested since Sean retired. I feel like it's a watered-down version right. of what it was back in the 90s. And then and then into, like, the, the ruthless aggression stage, I even thought that was good. Like, invasion was like, eh, but ruthless aggression was good. And then once that was over and Sean quit, it was like, 
you know, like I really didn't have skin in the game anymore. And, and I, these guys that wrestle today just to me is just the edge is gone. And when I was a kid, I watched it for the edge. Cause like I was 12, right. 11, 12 years old. And I was like, yo, I might see somebody's titties tonight. Like uh, somebody might whip it out. And yeah. one day Miss Kitty actually did. Uh, it was Armageddon like 1999. And I was watching it on the hot box at my aunt's house. And it was the greatest moment in sports entertainment history. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. But, I've seen that. But, if if you really look at like the people who are very much invested in the, the mats, the sals, and the ladariuses, they're very, very much invested in it. They're very upset. And I'm not talking about those three individuals in particular. They're very upset about the return of Vince. That's that's one thing. Um, which to me, again, it doesn't make a difference. I, I don't think it makes a difference. And they're like, oh, well, it's ruining the product. Vince is still the guy that brought us the attitude era. Right. Like he doesn't fit maybe today's genre, and that's because of, I guess, the way the world is today. I think if Vince had it his way, though, I, it would still be the Attitude Era. I think I think the different personalities in the room with Vince brought us the Attitude Era. I think we got very lucky with the cast of characters that happened to be in that stable of Vince's guys that brought us the Attitude Era. But I think Vince McMahon... Yeah, I think Vince McMahon and that time period, what you can get away with, essentially is what opened the door to that greatness. And unfortunately, in the shit world we live in right now, and that's what it is, and it pisses me off because I know several people that are like, oh man, WWE will never be as good and it sucks. And those same people are the ones that are pushing this woke and progressive and like, I don't mean progressive in the sake of like things get better, the, you know, more you expand your horizons. No progressive in the way of uh, the zeitgeist dictates what we should do in media and entertainment. And it's, it's ruining everything. Everything that's going on right now in in your movies. I, I mean, I don't think I know a single person and it's not a political thing because it's from every side of the spectrum that's happy with what's going on. TV officially sucks. I honestly think, you know, uh, network TV is dead. I think more people tune into Netflix and Hulu uh, and those streaming services than actually tune in on a Tuesday night to CBS. There's more left and right. You can get away with more on network, uh, off of network. Right. Absolutely. Edgy on Fox. Dude, and the FCC is part of the problem as to why it's, it's terrible. But I think... Other than watching sports on, you know, TV and cable, I generally do not tune into regular TV. I will watch I, Netflix. I will watch Plex. I will watch, you know, uh, dude, any any show that's been binge worthy where you can binge something that has opened up the door to being able to get to a point where you can. It's like reading a book. You know, you want to finish a book in in two nights. You can finish a book in two nights, or you can make it last, you know, a couple weeks. I think that that has changed everything, but. With what's going on in movies and entertainment and media, it's a little ridiculous, dude. People care more about, uh, I I want to say, the background of the actors playing in roles versus the talent of the actor in that role. People care more about uh, the story and kind of changing it to fit, I guess, their agenda than going with, uh, hey, this is a, this was a great story. And then you ruined it by adding all this extra crap. Like, I mean, uh, for example, uh, Wednesday, that, you know, uh, what's her face, uh, Ortega, that chick, you know, 
the dance that she does, it was a, the hottest thing in the world, and everybody's TikToking it and and stitching it with their own dance or whatever. And and then I'm like watching like little clips, like all right, this is Wednesday show good, and it's just like the first clip I see is her like yelling at the people working at some like pilgrim style restaurant that's like based on like the pilgrim age. Uh, that's the theme of their restaurant, saying that they're like just fascist murderers. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like. I, I see that shit every day in the news. I don't need. I don't need to hear it from fucking entertainment. Two things I want to comment on. One, Zeitgeist. Wow, that's okay. Uh, the second thing is what I don't like about and th- and this is and this is going back to Vince coming back to WWE. What I don't like about today's people and their complaints there are certain things that i'm i'm like yeah that person shouldn't be employed anymore like skip bayless that guy shouldn't be employed anymore like i don't understand see i I, no i i i I, while i don't i i I kind of agree with you but for other reasons i think sports takes are a joke and i think he's just outdated like what gives him tweet the tweet that everybody jumped on him no i agree but the tweet that everybody jumped on him for was completely taken out of context and misread. I think he tweeted it to an audience that often cannot fucking read because uh, half the people on Twitter are morons. And if you don't show them pictures. I I understand what his tweet was intended to do, right? Like he, he was basically saying like all of the implications and all of the football things going on right now with this game seem very small in comparison to the health and right. welfare of this right, man from the NFL standpoint, how could they turn around and cancel the game? You, essentially saying, dude, no, no, they are the evil empire. No, they're not canceling. He didn't say that. He said that this game has all the implications in the world. And this is so important to football. However, and then it was just like, and all of that seems very small in comparison to what's going on right now. I mean, right. the health of Lamar Hamlin, which he's correct. What I think is, and, and, and even in my case, I understood what he was saying. In my case, I was like, why would you even bring that up? I agree. I, I mean, I think he went too far roundabout to make a statement of kind of like a look at me and I'm smart and look at my education statement rather right. than just but getting to the point. It would be like, it would be like uh, somebody in your family being sick, right? Yeah. And you guys being like, you know, we, we, we're we going to make a lot of money when this person goes. But none of that seems very important right now. Right. It doesn't need to be said. Because our family member is sick. And it's just like, who the fuck brings shit up like that? Like, that's nobody's yeah. thinking about that right now. Nobody's sitting exactly. there going, man, I really hope they finish this game. But at the same time, I hope this guy's more, I, I hope this guy's healthy more than I hope that they play this right. game. Certain like, things don't need to be said. Exactly. And I, and I think that's what it was. But but back to Vince, I think today we're, we're in this environment where it's like once upon a time, if you didn't like shit, you just didn't watch shit. Right. So like, oh, of course, if, I, if you make a show that I don't like, I, I just don't watch it. That's it. Like and, and if enough people don't watch it, it just gets canceled. There's plenty of TV shows that have been canceled in the history of mankind, and they weren't canceled because people stood outside with pitchforks threatening to burn down the network's uh, headquarters. It was simply I, because they did not have the ratings. You didn't watch it. Many other people didn't watch it, and therefore the show did not exist. But now we've moved into this environment where people are like, if Vince comes back, I hope that they fold WWE, and they're making right. grand announcements. Like, dude, this isn't – like, you know how the watch. joke on Twitter goes, you don't have to announce that you're leaving. This isn't right. an airport. 
Like nobody right. gives a fuck. If you don't watch if they right. sell it to the Saudis, which apparently they're not selling it to the Saudis. Again, I don't care one way or another. They could sell it to Saudi. I lived in Saudi Arabia for a year. Okay. And I'm not sitting here saying anything great about the Saudi government or any of that shit. I'm just saying is if you don't like it, if you watch it and you're going, you know what? They didn't change it much. And now it's just a different jackass making money off of me instead of this jackass. It's another jackass. Like, then, then you continue to watch it because the product is still yeah. good. Now, if it stops being good, then you make that decision to sit there and be like, fuck it, I'm not watching it anymore. And But you don't have to make a grand announcement and go, oh, listen, everybody, look at me. I'm not watching it. I'm making a stance. I'm well, making people a think they're the center of their own universe, but they also they also think their opinion matters for more than uh, the you know useless air that you wasted on it is, and it's not. It's not worth anything. I mean, listen, we we come on here podcast for our opinion out there. If one person listens, awesome. Thanks for you know tuning in. If a thousand Thanks, people God. listen, great, awesome. If zero people listen, me and you entertained each other, and then somebody can go back and clip this and make fun of us for it. Who gives a shit? I really don't care. We're just throwing it out there. But to announce something on Twitter to think that you're like, dude, you know, nobody gives a shit that you're offended by whatever you're offended by. Nobody gives a shit if you hate this or like this or you keep don't moving. Watch. Keep it going. Just don't watch. Dude, like, imagine, imagine you treat it that way. Like, think about it. Every time somebody cut you off in traffic, do you tweet about it? Because I'd be on my fucking phone every five seconds in traffic. This asshole right here, left lane, doing 45 miles an hour. Speed up, I'll dummy. I'll tell you right now, I... Uh... I, I just, you know, I, when the Jets don't play well, I used to like tweet about it. I used to fucking Facebook about it. I just turn it off now. That's it. I just like, oh, they're, I, they're fucking embarrassing me. I just turn it off because I don't want to get upset about it. So just change the right. channel. I guarantee you, once I the used to not tweet about it. Money, then then changes will happen. As long as right. you continue to buy shit and be about that and invest into it, they still get the fucking click. Right. They still get I, the click. So I up until we started doing a sports podcast, I really didn't tweet about when the Jets suck. Uh, maybe I'd throw something out there like, oh, my God, another year, same old Jets, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Initiate conversation amongst like-minded people or even people that don't think like me because, honestly, I, I'm open to an opinion of somebody saying, like, dude, it's not, it's not on this one person. It's on this. And you engage in a conversation, but it's not to be like, hey, this is my opinion. Bow to me. It's like, yeah, gives a shit. Just a guy, just a dude. You know everybody wants everybody wants to be validated. But me personally, if, if Vince wants to come back, it's his fucking company. He was voted on unanimously by the board to come back. And uh, somebody right. will sit there and go, "Well, he's the largest shareholder. He'll just fire them if he if they don't vote him in." Okay, and that's their prerogative. Like, like even his own daughter, whose seat he took, voted for him. Right. So she's not making money now. What is she afraid that he's going to fire her husband? And then he'll wait 90 days, go work for fucking AEW. And now right. AEW just hired triple fucking H. Right. I, I like, think the issue, especially now, is especially with older fans. And it's the same. I, I feel like everybody got pigeonholed into that. The, the same kind of scenario when it comes to like uh, comic book movies like DC and Marvel. Marvel in particular, where if you read the comics you have a certain sense of where you want things to go. But those same people that want things to go that way will then watch and be like, how obvious are you going to make it? Like, how, how, how close to the script are you going to keep it to where it's like, no shit, that's what's going to happen. It's like, but you'd be pissed if they changed it. It's like watching Titanic and being upset that they hit the iceberg. Exactly. Like, <laughs> dude, you want it to go a certain way, but then you'll bitch about how you got there. You're watching the the, the the passion of Christ, and you're like, I can't believe they fucking killed him. 
<laughs> it's your Lord and Savior. Do these people not know? Fuck's your problem. <laughs> it's the same shit, dude. Jesus is gonna hit the iceberg. You fucking know it. Like that's the way it goes. What were we you watching? Seen, what uh, <laughs> dude, you ever seen Mad TV? I was watching Argo. Argo was so fucking good. At the end of Argo, I was like, oh my god, they're not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see uh mad tv where they um essentially they they stitch together and it's hard to find because i guess at this point people are offended by it which is pretty funny because as, as far as you know religious groups go catholics uh they they don't pretty much they don't hold much water anymore as far as getting offended they just kind of roll with the flow at this point because everybody else seems to get a little more offended not to say anyone is more valid or not valid but uh, Mad TV did a skit where essentially they played on uh, Jesus's Last Supper, uh, stitched in with the Terminator, and they sent the guy playing Arnold Schwarzenegger back in time to save Jesus from dying for our sins. And it's like uh, they're at the Last Supper, and he just stands over Judas, pulls out a shotgun, and shoots him. And Jesus brings him back, and he shoots him again. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "He's going to betray you." It's like I know that's the point. The guy must kill him. It's like, no, stop it. I'm supposed to die. No. And they're like essentially arguing over the point. <laughs> Hilarious. Can't find it anymore, though. You can try to Google it. It's almost impossible to find. You know, with regards to WWE, I just I, I wish everybody good luck. If you're a fan, I hope it goes well. I hope Vince, maybe Vince sits there and says, I don't want to get too involved with it. I just want to sell my business and move the fuck on with my life, which I honestly, I think is a I think that's what up. he wants to do, so. I think I honestly think he should just give it to to Paul and Stephanie. Like, if Shane doesn't want anything to do with it, like your father, like worst case scenario, and I, and I don't think it's feasible at this point, simply because Vince's father made him buy WWF from him. So Vincent right. J McMahon made Vincent K McMahon buy WWF from him. I could see Big Vin. I could see Vince Vinnie Mac doing that. To, to Stephanie and Paul, I don't think it's feasible. It, it, it's, it's worth like a hundred times what it was. And no, I'm it's not, not feasible. It's, 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 it, dude, it's a publicly traded company. It wasn't a publicly right. traded company it's back then. Not something you can do now. If you want no, to, not sell, at all. It, and especially now with the way things are uh, with shareholders and stuff, you have too many people to appease. So even though you may be the seat, you may be the guy or girl, you cannot really do what you want because you're always under the gun with, uh, with, with being a publicly traded company, you can have the, the people vote you out for essentially the betterment of the business. So in, in Vince's case, though, he owns 80 something percent, like 82 percent. So he is the owner. Like, yeah, some people own some shares. Guess what? No, but it's you're still beholden to the shareholders. Even you may be the majority. You could do most of what you want to do. If they, they essentially you're still once you're a publicly traded company. And this is where Rook would be great having him on this. Have you, Rook? You're beholden to the shareholders, no matter how many there are, because they can always sue you and say you're going against the point of the companies to make money, and you're kind of going against making money. Not to say that it's an easy lawsuit, but if you have money, everybody knows you can sue anybody you want. You're beholden to these nuts. Um, hey, buddy, listen, I, at the end of the day, it, it, the WWE will never be what it was. It will never be the Attitude Era. It'll never go back to friggin' having lingerie fights and pajama fights and stuff like that, because, I mean... Now, and I'm not saying that the divas aren't talented now, but it was less about athleticism as far as the girls. You can't call them divas anymore. Really? I see. That's how far out of the mix I am. Yeah. So, super I, well, 
again, it was less about the it was more about the hot factor and the sexy factor versus the athletic factor because and in all honesty, that's what you were there to watch the guys for the athletic factor. You wanted to look at the women and appreciate their beauty because as a man, you don't you know, you're watching half naked dudes Greco Roman wrestle each other all oiled up and shit. You kind of need that, you know, heterosexual barrier of a smoking hot chick coming out in leggings like, you know, Stacey so Keebler. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but, but uh, I, I, the storylines will never be the same. You'll never have the situation where, you know, <laughs> who's the dude that they, when they introduced him, they introduced him as the terrorist, bro. And he used to come out with other people in like masks and shit. Ah, uh, I think, I, are you talking 90s or are you talking about early 2000s? Early 2000s. It was like and right everybody was like, dude, I don't think you could do this anymore. It was like right before 9-11, too. Yeah, no, it was and then following, I feel like the following. No, no, I'm sorry. It was after. It was, it was after 9-11, but then some terrorist thing happened in like France. The, yeah. the what's it called? The, the, uh, the train like bombing. The, the, the something Hebdo, the Charlie Hebdo thing happened or something like that. Right, and they people and freaked they, out. They, you, they, you can't do, and, and that's kind of why we watched. You wanted to see you push the limits. You can't have Vince McMahon faking his own death because it's a fucking publicly traded company, and people were freaking out. You can't have Vince McMahon challenge uh, Donald Trump for the ownership of the company, and investors are like, "Hold on a second, what? We, are, are we really just going to risk the company on a bet?" It was Mohammed Hassan, mm. was the terrorist. Like you can't do it anymore, but it was the London bombings. But guess what? That guy's Italian. Right. Listen, it was he's, he's funny Italian. though. It was funny, and and if you took it for what it was and not seriousness, like every I think everybody in today's society needs to take a chill pill, cool off a little bit. If it's not your cup of tea as far as entertainment goes, don't watch. But That's but it. don't ruin it for everybody else that doesn't take it. I'm at, dude. I I say it all the time. I was like, you want to fucking. Dude, honestly, if you, everybody else, it might be one other person. Don't let them fucking right. watch it. Dude, you can leave, you, you, you know, but again, think about it. How many great movies and great directors and writers would be out of a job today if it was this type of social climate? Dude, Mel Brooks would be fired and castrated. Thinking, I was just thinking Mel Brooks. No, put, put Blazing Saddles on at a campus right now in California and watch the riots that would occur. Not even. They'd have to crawl into their safe spaces. Oh, it, it would be a massacre, bro. People would be running to the uh, hospital. Like, I've never heard those words spoken such in such a way in my life consecutively. I just saw Ric Flair on a car shield commercial. And by God, I saw dude. that. Oh, my God. That poor man should just, like, packing in already. His yeah, teeth are trying to escape his face. He did a wrestling match just a few mo- weeks ago, like maybe like two months ago. And and I just watched Taker do a whole interview about like how he didn't want to become a caricature of himself and he didn't want to wait too long to retire and then become like a guy who can't maintain his own standard of excellence. Right. And you just get wheeled out to entertain the fans for a face. Memo. Ric Flair right. did not get the memo on like becoming no. a caricature and embarrassing yourself because he embarrassed himself about 25 years ago when I he agree. decided to wrestling. Should have left it fucking... He should have retired it when he left WWE the first time in like '94, and 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 then the second time when WCW went under, should have fucking quit after that one too. Should have taken his Time Warner money and went off into the pasture. But instead, he spent his money on hookers and blow instead of getting his teeth fixed. And there was that. But moving forward, um, 
you wanted to talk about some stuff. T, go at me. Let, let, let's talk. You want to talk some football for a split second? I know you were very passionate about what happened with Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, dude, it's it's, and I'm kind of surprised it took so long for this video to come out because this situation happened what a month ago. Well, it's, it's a police thing. So while they're doing the investigation, they can't release the video until right. After the- but like, I there's that many people sitting on that plane. Nobody else videotaped it. But I can understand because everybody else is pissed off. But if you haven't seen the video yet, and Odell Beckham Jr. trying to fucking spin it to fit him, saying, "Oh, I fell asleep," and all you had to do was wake me up, and blah 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 blah, and then you get the real story. The typical Odell Beckham Jr., everything's about me, fuck everybody else. And you find out that essentially they tried to wake him up, that he wasn't budging because any if you look in the video, he looks like he's out of it. He probably popped a couple pills, long flight, whatever it is, going to sleep through it. Uh, obviously, I'm alleging these situations. I don't know for a fact. But you could tell when somebody's a little out of it, he was a little out of it. But he just caused the plane to deplane. The flight got deplaned. You just delayed everybody else on that flight, and then he's starting an argument with people on the plane. Dude, imagine that. You're trying to get home to your family. You're just trying to make it wherever the hell you're trying to make it. You have plans. It doesn't matter if you have no plans. You're just trying to make it where you're trying to make it. And this idiot, this fucking self-entitled moron, decides to make it all about him once again, okay, and is then... Are arguing and harassing you as you deplane because of him. The cops are around him and he's just running his mouth telling people, fuck you, you're ugly. I'll be on my private jet in the air in 40 minutes and you'll be stuck waiting. Sucks for you. Get the fuck out of here, ugly motherfuckers. Blah, 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 blah. I would have loved for somebody to just take a shoe off and throw it at him. Like, there's something ridiculous. Splash a cup of water right in his face. Anything. Anything to just show, like, dude, you, you're not shit. You're nothing. You're, you're essentially nothing. You're, you're, you're a shell of your former self. You ruined your career by doing the shit that you pulled when you were on the Giants. Everybody thought about your athleticism as an afterthought, which is insane because some of the catches he made in those previous seasons were epic. But his attitude and his the way he carried himself as a person overshadowed the type of athlete that he was. You lost I, – I said I, – if I was walking off that plane, I would have been like, dude, aren't you the guy that got into a fight with an inanimate object and lost – on national television, like who are you talking to? Don't you have some twerking to do on a boat in a sheer yeah. shirt? Yeah. Why don't you wear fucking uh, work boots and get on a boat again, asshole? But honestly, like I saw the clip, and and, and some you know it really bothers me, and it, I saw it with Kayvon Thibodeau, and I'm seeing it now with Odell Beckham Jr. The apologist, the the fucking people that'll stand by him and insist that it's everybody else, like. I get, I understand being a fan. Like I'm a fan of sports teams, but at some point there is right and wrong. Like 100%. there's right and wrong. Like in the world today, there are social, there, there are social things that, that society expects from not just rich people, not just poor people, but all people. And you just see certain people thinking that they just don't have to follow the rules. And some like I cave on Thibodeau actually came out and said, like, who makes the rules? Society does. So when you went on Twitter that day and everybody called you an asshole, you have to stop and reflect in the mirror and look at yourself and go, fuck, am yeah. I the asshole? Like, even when I'm at work and somebody pisses me off and I feel like I'm having an asshole moment, I'll stop and I'll go to a peer. I'll explain to them the situation as best I can without being like overly one-sided and go, am I fucked up right now? Am I the well, one that's am I fucked up in the head or you're or in a similar it- situation as me 
Whereas you're in a position of power and any situation that I'm about to get heated about, I try to then explain to the person that I'm having an issue with who's working for me, like, dude, jump in my shoes and you tell me what you would do in this situation because this is what's going on. This is what I need from you. And this is what you're doing to me. And we're just not seeing eye to eye. So jump in my shoes. I'm in your shoes. Try to see it from my situation. And again, Kayvon Thibodeau wants to play it off. The best is him saying, oh, I didn't know he was hurt. That's a yeah, you line. did. Yeah, you did. Because he's laying next to you while you're making snow angels in, on the field. He's still on the ground laying next to you. What does that mean? He's taking a break? He needed a nap? I, I no, What do you think? The best part for me is he looks at him, continues yeah. to go, goes, oh, I noticed it, and then I got up. You got up because the trainer he went to the sideline and kept making fun of him. Then he went to the sideline and kept making fun of him, and half his team was like, yo, relax. The the apologists are like, oh, he wasn't saying like good night to him being injured. He was saying good night because the fact the game is over be because it's over at that point. The score is out of hand. Have some humility. A man is injured. All I, all I could think was I've never seen a player celebrate while another player was getting carted off the field. No, it's it's just not, dude. Listen, sports is 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 something that it drastically needs a little gamesmanship. And a little sportsmanship, a nice injection of it, because it's fading fast. And these kids are now watching and thinking that bat flipping is the way to go and showing up the opposing team and and injuring somebody on the field of football. And then, like, dude, I played ice hockey almost my entire life. I played roller hockey. And if you've ever played hockey, there's one thing that you figure out once you hit about high school and on, in, even into men's league. If you have a problem with somebody, you can fight them. It's part of the game. And even though most of the time, especially in, in, in high school and up, it, it's written in the rules that you can't fight. The refs played the same game growing up, and they know you have to get a little aggression out every once in a while, and they let things go, and you can get a fight off real quick. But in men's league especially, yeah, you know you're getting suspended for a game, but you can fight. And there's a certain accountability to that when – Somebody can get up in your face and be like, yo, you just wrecked that dude in the corner with a high elbow. Now you're going to pay the price for it. And even, dude, in all the fights I've gotten into, I've lost as many as I've won playing ice hockey and roller hockey and, and whatever. And I'm not sitting here trying to say I'm a tough guy. But whether I won a fight or lost a fight, I skated over to the penalty box the same way. If I put somebody on the ground and I came out the winner, I didn't stand over him. I, I, I didn't point at him. I didn't laugh at him. Dude, I respected the guy because we had an issue and you dropped the gloves the same as I did. I, and you know, and th there's there's honor in that. And it, there's lacking honor in, in professional sports right now. And and as far as that guy, go, uh, Thibodeau goes, all I would say to him is, oh, who dictates, you know, what's right, what's wrong? I would say if I did that to your father and I'm standing over his body and he's sitting there in pain and I'm making fun of him, how would you feel? Well, you End know, of story. The, the, the whole like, oh, well, little kids are watching. Like, um, me personally, my father's my hero. He taught me how to live my life. But I love that's not the case for everybody. A lot of people come from I'm, homes where they watch TV because that's the fucking babysitter. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying as, as an adult, if you're saying there are kids at home and you're talking about your kids, right? like, what are you doing that you're not teaching your kid right from wrong? Oh, if you're 100%. an adult my kid's watching and you're embarrassed. You know, you're making it hard for me to, as a parent, if you're a parent, nah, and that's you're a cop out. On Thibodeau for guidance on life and how to play the sports. Like you're fucking up as a parent. You need to take control of your own. Situation. I agree. I agree. People, it's not the, the single parents. 
or the the parents working six jobs that don't the, the TV's the babysitter complaining right. about take cable. No, it's I not. agree. I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's to that extent. What I am saying is anybody that has aspirations as a child to go professional in whatever sport that they happen to love and you know strive to achieve in you you often try to emulate your favorite players. I mean, when Odell Beckham Jr. was on the Giants and dyed his hair blonde, how many fucking kids did we see go with the fade yeah. and the curly hair on top and the blonde? I, I dude, literally, I, I was playing I was playing touch tackle football with my cousin at the time, and there was fucking adults doing it. It's like really, dude, that, really. That had nothing to do about that. Had nothing to do with Odell Beckham Jr. That was a style at the time. That's it. Like not honestly, no, no, he dude, he, he put it out did there. It? Nah, he did it because that was a style of time in, in his community. And I know this because I'm part of that community too. I work with a lot of people like that. Like, you know, like that's just the style, like wearing your pants baggy. Deion Sanders didn't but it doesn't do matter. That you're shit. still you're gonna tell me you don't try to emulate and, and be like that, dude. Every time, you know, how many how many professional athletes throw on a pair of kicks when they're out in the public and everybody wants to buy those kicks? I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying is that it's not a, an entirely thing in, inspired by the athlete the athlete got it from somewhere like people aren't walking around i'm on, not saying he invented it in sheer shirts twerking now because of odell beckham jr that's just not happening like i would hope it, not because that was a bad look but uh but you know you would hope that especially in the case of of Kayvon thibodeau you would hope that he would have a little respect for his his adversary in that instance and, and i'll give you a perfect example Kayvon thibodeau celebrating that sack first of all it was untouched right right no block blind side the kicker could have made that tackle Easy. it wasn't like he beat the fucking left tackle and then like chased down the, uh, the you know michael fucking vick okay right. guy was standing still in the pocket he's not known for his mobility and it was a blind side fucking untouched sack because he was not accounted for by the offensive line and he's running around like it's just like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's like, dude, anyone on your team could have made that sack. Anyone. Like the fact that you didn't get a fumble out of that is kind of upsetting. Like me personally, you went untouched blind side with the, the guy had his arm in the air. The fact that you didn't come up with the ball, the yeah. guy didn't drop the ball and you heard him and he didn't drop the ball. Uh, you, you could have done more. Yeah. You, you left some meat on the bone. You know, um, you know, to me, to me, when you do pre-thought-out celebrations, that is not a celebration. No. Because you see these guys sometimes. You see them excited where they start to run and they're they're excited. And, like, and then they're they like break into some kind of choreographed and bullshit. And they go, oh, wait, I forgot. I wanted to dance. Yeah. Like, I'll give a good example. Um, When, when uh, – this kid, uh, Quincy Williams, gets a sack or a stop behind the line. He'll get the sack, stand up, run like 15 feet, and just like pump his fist like under like kind of like Tiger Woods. Right. That is a celebration. That's like sheer like that's something that I do when I'm watching the yeah. game and my team gets a sack. I'm like, let's fuck yeah, right. let's go. That's in the moment, pumped up. That's excited. That's celebration. When you when you see some of these guys, they start to like get momentum where they're running. And they're, you can see they're pumped, and then they go, oh, wait, I forgot. I wanted to do jumping jacks. That's not a celebration. You're you're antagonizing your opponent. Because if you have to stop doing what you're doing, which is true emotion, true excitement, right? Like, right. oh, I'm going, woo! Or I'm like, yes, let's go! That's, that's true excitement. When you have to stop doing that, restrain yourself from, like, moving that, like, that, that, 
uncontrollable urge to scream because you're so happy. Right, you're stopping the jubilation it's, to act. That and that's not celebration. No. That is and that is taunting. And and it's to me that's not celebration. Celebration to me is Kirk Gibson hitting that home run in the World Series and just being like, "Let's fucking go." Oh yeah. Let's go. Like if a player got a sack turned around, I was like, let's fucking go. And he was just fucking whooping it up. I'd be like that. That man's excited. Yep. That man's very excited. You know what? You know what a celebration is when you recover an onside kick, everybody, what they're doing after that moment, when oh, we yeah. watched the Browns game and we recovered that off onside kick, yep. everybody on that jets team that was running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They were celebrating. None oh, yeah. of them were stopping, getting up and going, like nobody was doing that. They were running around like, yeah, let's go. We get the fucking ball. That is excitement. That is pure celebration. All this yeah. other bullshit where they stop to do the fucking Macarena. That is not celebration. That's taunting. You're rubbing your opponent's nose. I in agree. It. Here's my point. And people will always go, well, if they don't like it. Why don't they just do something to stop it? The better question is, and I'm, the golden rule, Jesus taught us about it, right? Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And that comment of like, well, I would do it to them and I expect them to do it to me. Like, you know, it's like it's like an eye for an eye, and you're sitting there going, "Well, now you're just two stupid motherfuckers with one eye." Yeah, you know, like it doesn't really work that way. Like, no, not at all. We don't really dive into the New Testament, and some of these players need a lot of humility. Speaking about players needing some humility, what about the Quay Walker situation? That was nuts. What was that? What Dude, was that? That is somebody that has some serious issues. Um. I, I dare I say a case can be made for because it, it just seems to happen a lot around the NFL and NFL players. There there may be a violence issue with, with players in the NFL because it's just, I get it, it's a locker room full of alpha males, but when you have to assert your dominance on somebody that's going to help somebody that's injured, like, dude, that's fucking pathetic. And, and, and I would argue that there's some definitely mental issue for Quay Walker going on because after he gets ejected out of the game, he's throwing a tantrum and crying in the tunnel. It's like, so you're an alpha male and you're a big tough guy and you want to be violent to everybody that walks across you in the, on the field of play, even though the guy's clearly there to help the person that's injured after that play. And he's not a big guy. He's not somebody that's going against you. He's not your opponent. He's a man there to save somebody's life or pretty much render aid, and you thought it was good to get physical with him and create a violent confrontation with him, and then after it didn't go your way and you get ejected, you cry about it. You fucking cry about it. Here's my problem, right? And I said the same thing with with Devontae Adams. If that was a coach, he wouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. So why is it that you're okay to abuse these people but not yeah. those people. And then all those people that'll sit there and go, well, you know, they're violent on the field. It's hard to turn it off. Bull no, fucking not. shit. I work for the Department of Defense. Does that mean I get to go around? I've been training to kill people since I'm 19 years old. Does that mean I just get to go wherever I want and punch people in the fucking face because I feel like it? Because it's hard for me to turn off the violence that the government taught me to be? Like, that's the most unheard of ridiculous bullshit i've ever heard in my life because for every quay walker for every fucking ray rice for every fucking javon fucking uh davante adams for every single one of those guys for every fucking uh aaron hernandez for every fucking uh uh who's the fucking line romanoski for every one of those guys there's a hundred thousand dudes that roll through the nfl and never hurt anybody 
Yeah, hundred percent. You've got so, Dominic and Sue. That was a good one. I'm, <laughs> Dominic on and Sue, and another shit. fucking dirt bag. Yep. Another dirt bag. You know, like JJ Watt's not going out there punching fucking people on the field right. that don't play. Right, stepping on people's fucking ankles and trying to well, jam his like, finger up people's all, asses. Michael Strahan's not out there fucking stepping on people and kicking people and fucking fighting people and punching people and pushing the civilians that are there to help. Like, they're not out there doing that. Yep. So explain to me why this group can handle it and that group can't. It just doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. to sit there and try to say, oh, well, they play a violent game. It's hard to turn off the violence. It's a fucking Dude, cop out. It's a lie. If, a if that was the lie. case, if that was the case, how many UFC fighters get into fist fights out in public? None. Just John Jones. And, and when if John they Jones do, does it, it's, it's a last-ditch effort. If they when do... John Jones does it, he's a hero. Right. Because I remember during the riots, John Jones was out in the streets, and somebody was trying to assault like a cop, I think, or maybe like an innocent bystander. And John Jones put the put the screws to the guy, and everybody was like, yo, John Jones just assaulted that guy. John Jones is a fucking hero. I don't care what anybody says, all right? I agree. He's out there doing the Lord's work when people were out there committing crimes. He's basically one, a One of the funniest things I've ever heard... Um, as far as people getting put in their place, thinking they're a tough guy in the football field and realizing like, yeah, there's a different level of alpha male and you're not there, was uh, the UFC fighter Bass Rutten, um was talking about how he was at uh, some kind of party in, in Vegas or something like that. And Brian Erlacher walked past him and kind of bumped into him. Uh, they bumped into each other or stepped on one of, one of the other shoes and Baz Rutten was like, oh, excuse me. And Brian Erlacher was like, you got a fucking problem? And Baz Root was like, yeah, dude, relax. Like, take it easy. I apologize. Just keep going. And Brian Erlacher's pushing the issue. I, I don't want to, like, mess up the story, but apparently, uh, essentially Brian Erlacher was pushing the issue and staring him down. And Baz Rutten was kind of, like, looking at him like, is this guy fucking serious? And somebody went over to Brian Erlacher and was like, dude, that's Baz Rutten. He's a UFC champion. Like, he'll fuck you up real good. And then he said within like five minutes, he walked up to me like, yo, dude, I'm sorry. You know, like, how's your night going? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, it's really easy to be a tough guy to somebody that you think you can mess up. But when you run into that guy that's like, yeah, dude, I'll beat up threes, you get humbled real quick. Well, that's like, you know, that's like wrestling. You know, wrestling's uh, scripted. Um, mm -hmm. I won't say the F word. It's not the F word. It's, it's scripted. Um, but, you know, there, and, and you'll hear about real like wrestlers talk about there are, fake tough guys that are tough on in wrestling. And right. then there's real tough guys and everybody in the locker room knows who the real tough guys are. And you don't fuck with those guys. And honestly, nine times out of 10, it's not the guy you think it is. Right. You know, like I, I saw Taker tell a story the other day about Dan Spivey, uh, putting the screws to the, to the Legion of doom, uh, the road warriors, whatever you want to call them while they were in WCW, uh, Taker was part of the skyscrapers with Dan Spivey and Dan Spivey was having a bad day for whatever reason. He didn't like the work that night. And he was like, fuck this. And he just took a chair and starts wailing on these guys. And Taker's brand new. He's not Undertaker yet. He's he's uh, mean Mark Callis. You know, he's part of the skyscrapers for that one day because Sid broke his ankle or some shit like that the first time. Um, and uh, Taker tells a story where he's like, I'm sitting in the back and I'm totally waiting because in my head, like, I'm still a young green guy. And I'm I, the LOD is LOD. Like, they're the road warriors. Like, they're going to come back here and beat the shit out of us. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm in the back and I'm hyping myself up like, all right, we're going to get into a fight right now. I got to get ready. Let me loosen up myself real quick. We're about to get into a fight with Legion of Doom. I can't fucking believe that Dan Spivey put me into this position. And Legion of Doom comes back and they're like, hey, Danny, great match, man. I loved it when you hit me with that chair. Because they knew that Dan Spivey 
was about that life. Like Dan yeah. Spivey was not a fake tough guy. Dan Spivey was a real tough guy. And right. Dan Spivey would murder you and your kids and be like, yo, what's up? And we would yeah. not know about John Laurinaitis who played for the Rams had that happened. Right. You know, so, you know, there's fake tough guys. There's real tough guys. Some guys are only tough when there's 15 people around them. You know, Look, yeah. perfect example, Sidney Crosby. Yep. You know, he's a he's a pest when his team is there to back him. Of he's course. not a pest by himself. Of course. You know, he's Dude, not he's I, not up there like like what's his face from the Bruins? Um uh fucking little ball breaker from the fucking Bruins. Oh Marshan? There you go. He's not like like Marshan will scrap a little bit. Yeah, but even still, like I mean, I think uh Marshan's still another one that'll turtle up real quick if it's somebody that's actually has some weight to him and that that's a fighter. Because I mean well, Brad Marshan's not, not a fighter and you, none, you're not you're not no. wrong. You're not wrong, but at the same time, Sidney Crosby's not fighting anybody. Nobody, he'll just go out and instigate it and then cry to the right. refs. Right. No, I, I listen. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it, that's what I love about hockey. Is there an uh, there's an honorable thing? Like, how many times do you see a guy just go and and get into a fight because it's like, yo, dude, you hurt him with that hit. Like, I gotta fight you, and they gotta answer the call. They're like, all right, no problem. Because you're not gonna be like, no, I'm not fighting you, bro. It's like, dude, it's it's an honor thing. Like, all right, you feel like you gotta you gotta defend your team. That's fine. I respect it. You know, like how many times you see these two freaking monsters just beat the shit out of each other, blood on the ice, and then tap each other on the shoulder when the refs are picking them apart. Yeah, I mean, UFC does the same thing, right? Like, oh, yeah. there's only a few people in, in UFC that are little fucking bitch instigators, like Conor McGregor, when he breaks his ankle fighting freaking Dustin Poirier, and he's sitting on the floor with EMTs tending to him because his brittle fucking bones can't stand to fight. And Dustin Poirier is doing a post fight, and he's just like, "Yeah, I hope he recovers." And and he's just like, "Fuck you, you fucking bitch!" Like, dude, you're being attended to by EMTs because your body couldn't stand up to this man, right. and you're talking shit from the floor. Like right. right now, if those EMTs weren't there and he felt like it, he can go over there and break your face, and there ain't shit you could do about it because you can't stand up. And you're really gonna sit there and talk shit. Like if this was a street fight to the death, you would be dead, and you wouldn't be talking anymore. That's just another, like, it's like a certain level of stupidity that's in everybody, I think. And, like, I mean, I remember playing roller hockey one time with my buddy Steve and uh, this big kid who played juniors for a while, I mean, better <laughs> than us. He he took, Steve was a pest. Steve was a big kid and Steve could handle himself, but Steve was Steve also was fast. And he, he knew how to get under your skin because he was good. And this kid get, takes exception to how Steve's playing, takes a run at Steve. Steve pretty much dipped the kid in the tackle. This kid shattered his ankle in the corner. Steve moved out of the way of the check. This kid shattered his ankle. I mean, like, his leg was like this in the corner, and he's getting helped off the rink, and when he gets to his bag to, like, take his equipment off and stuff like that, he starts throwing stuff at Steve. Like, you piece of shit, this is your fucking fault. I broke my ankle. It's like, yeah, it's his fault that he moved out of the way because you were taking a run on him. That that makes sense. But, uh... Yeah, so I, th I think the point is, you know, these, some of these athletes need to get a little humility. They need to learn. So I always say they need to be slapped a little act right. If, oh, yeah. if we're going to use a, some vernacular from back in the day, which was a Wednesday, a lot of these guys need to get slapped with them act right. A little correction. Um, that that being said, talking about football players, the, the jet season is over. Uh, yeah. This week they, they parted ways, for lack of a better way, word, with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. Toodaloo. Um, and, and this this goes to show you why you don't hire your friends to do jobs because then when I you agree. fire your dumbass, 
it becomes difficult and it creates a bit of a strain. Like we can't sit here and say that Michael floor got fired probably because Robert Sala is dear friends with his brother and he doesn't want to be the guy that fired his best friend's brother. Well, you right. don't give your best friend. Like I would never give Steven a job. Right. I would never give Steven a job because the day that Steven shows up late and I have to fire his ass, I, I guarantee you as my best friend would be like, yeah, I know. I understand. But I would never be able to look your father in the face. I mean, if you had a business where you let Steven handle food, I would tell you you're crazy. You don't let that kid handle food ever. <laughs> I mean, there's people's lives on the line. It's like, it's like Zach and Mary are like, look at me. Would you let me touch your food? <laughs> <laughs> would you eat something I served you? Un underrated movie classic um, no, I, I, dude i agree you bet you put yourself in that situation and if you want to say he was the best person for the job and then within a year is not the best person for the job anymore then hey that's on you and that's your decision making and that you put yourself in that corner deal with it right right and and so now they're looking for an offensive coordinator there's rumors that they fired their offensive line coach i think that's a great move too uh, me personally when there were rumors swirling about maybe them firing, if you have to have a discussion about whether or not you should fire somebody, fire yeah. him. Fire I him. agree. Out there. Like, if you're sitting there going, ooh, should we keep this guy? If there's a question of whether or not you should keep him, it, 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 think of it like a marriage. If there's a question about whether or not you should stay with your fucking wife and you ain't got kids or nothing, divorce. Or never get married in the first place. If you're sitting there going, hmm, I don't know if I want to be with this person. Like, the fuck are you doing? Like this, this shit on the Just line on, right now. I'm making sure my wife can't hear you. <laughs> you know, so putting so, that shit out there, bro. I, I don't need to give her another excuse. Yeah, but you got kids. I said if you don't have kids. Yeah, but still, she's gonna get the kids in that situation. <laughs> but I'm gonna uh, be sitting here with fucking nothing but my laptop and a microphone and nobody listening to me. I'm gonna be one of those people, bro, tweeting every night. This is bullshit. Life sucks. <laughs> fuck this dog. Kicking other people's dogs. Yes, you are my bitch lover. <laughs> um, oh, shit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I say fire the entire offensive staff. Let I will say this. Um, pick up somebody new. I will say this. As far as uh, Zach Wilson goes, I absolutely love the statement of if the Jets go out and get a veteran quarterback, I'm going to make that guy's life a living hell. And that's the kind of shit that I want to hear from a potential starting quarterback. So, I mean, good on him. I hope he owns what happened this season because it is on him. Uh, I'm not saying that the New York sports media or the fans were completely nice to him. I'm not saying that they didn't get in his head a little bit. I'm not saying the shit that the Jets pulled organizationally, uh, moving him in and out of games. Everybody's got, psyche. Everybody, everybody's got a hand on that fucking shit. Yeah, I, I agree. But at the end of the day, there's got to be some accountability. I hope he treats it as a learning moment and, uh, you know, just kind of comes back bigger, better, stronger, because anybody that's sitting there saying he's not the fucking guy, fuck him, get rid of him, blah, 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 blah. That's not the right attitude to have. If he comes back next season and he is the guy, you can't sit there and be like, well, I already made my decision. You're an asshole. Then. You're an you asshole. Know, there's, but there's a lot of people like that, though, and they pray. I agree. They were praying all season that he would not be the guy because they said on draft night that he wasn't right. the guy. He's not the guy. Right. And they, and, and they're, they're backing on that. That's the hill that they want to die on. Because of Twitter and because of Instagram, because of Facebook, social media in general, now there's a log of all the stupid-ass shit you say. Right. And people throw it back in your face, so nobody wants to be wrong. Right. You know, like me personally, like I'm wrong about shit. I'll, I'll be all right. I, I said Shohei Otani. Always wrong, wrong, bro. 
I said Shohei Otani was going to be a bum, and he was for like two seasons. In the last two seasons, he's really shown up. Now, me personally, I feel like it's easier for him to play out there in California where nobody gives a shit what he does. And if he played in a real market, we might see something a little different. You don't know. Like, it's different playing in L.A., that, especially Anaheim, than it is playing in L.A. like the Dodgers or playing in New York or playing in Boston or playing in Philly. Like, we have hostile environments. Even L.A. where the Dodgers, their environment is not as nearly as bad as Philly or New York or Boston where, like, people go to games and die. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. People not have gone because to of the rivalry. Games. Just because it's like, hey, motherfucker, that's my parking spot. Bang. Hey, it's Tuesday. Hey, you're in front of me in the line <laughs> at McDonald's. And I'm not saying nobody ever died at a at a Dodgers game. I'm just saying is it was never a player. Like a player was never in danger, so to speak. It's just like Dodgers fans and Giants fans. But listen, like, like, I I never seen I have never seen a crowd take on somebody from let's say the Oakland A's. But I have seen a crowd of Ranger fans take it to some Boston Bruins. That shit yeah, happened. It's, it's a different environment, <laughs> but. but uh, you know, here's, I mean, hoping that like, let's say, I, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to end up back with Baltimore. I really don't. So there's been a lot of people floating trade uh, ideas for Lamar out there. And of all the people that the Jets could bring in, because I don't think we have enough money to throw at Jimmy G. Doesn't matter. I would love to have him for two or three seasons just to see, you know, what we can get right now because he's definitely a quarterback that can walk in right now but as far as a sustained quarterback that can come in and play for six or seven years i love the lamar jackson situation the only thing is there's a lot of jet fans out there that are fucking stupid i'm not sugarcoating it stupid like throwing shit out there like all right we're gonna give up quinn williams we're gonna give up our first second and third round pick this year and our first round pick for the next three years it's like, are you fucking dumb and they're like grading it themselves, like yo, that's an A plus trade. It's like, how, how is that an A plus trade? Ultimately, it's gonna a. I don't think that we're gonna get Lamar Jackson, and I don't think that the salary cap is an issue because I as think we are years, gonna get Lamar Jackson. I think we're gonna make it happen. I think it's, I, I think that's one of the more likely scenarios for what we have for what the Jets have. I, I think it's gonna happen because Lamar Jackson's not staying in Baltimore. I don't think we get Jimmy G at all because he only fits in LaFleur's offense. I it, that, that I don't think that sways you from giving him a shot. I think it absolutely does because he's just not I don't working. think so. I don't think so, dude. Listen, the Jets as an organization feels the same way as the fan base does, whether it's misguided or not, that the team is good enough to win right now. I personally think the defense is where it needs to be to make a run on – throwing a string of wins and having a winning season and going into the playoffs. I think the offense is young enough and talented enough on raw young talent to do it. And I think how many young athletes we have right now and are essentially paying them peanuts to play. I think the jets would be wise to take advantage of the situation we have in front of us right now. But well, I don't disagree with you. I don't think Jimmy G's the answer though. He's frail. He's been injured the last few seasons. It's not that and, he's and, the and, answer. I don't think he's the guy. I don't think that he's like the you look at him and it's like if we can make this work, this is who we have to go after. But I think for what's going to be available right now, he's definitely at the top of the the food chain because dude, I, I, I I'm sick of people saying there's Jet fans out there throwing out there like, "Yo, dude, the Jets should get Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and bring him back, put them together for a year or two and let's see what happens." What do you people smoke? What do you people smoke? Seriously. 
Like how much Anthony crack? Anthony says uh, Lamar would be the best for the Jets. I agree with you, TJ. And I agree. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's not going to be good for the Jets. I'm saying is I just don't think they get him. I, I just think that the, the 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 Ravens franchise tag him and they're just going to drive so. up the ask. They're going to have, they're going to, why would they not? They're going to let him walk in free agency for nothing. No, they're going to get something. They're, they're going to shop him. And there's plenty of teams that oh, need quarterbacks. Tag him. He's a free agent. They have to tag him. They just signed Roquan Smith to a huge deal. He's the richest linebacker in, in football right now, ever. All right? right. And right now they're, they're going to have to franchise tag, uh, they're not going to sign him to a long-term deal. I don't think, I think that I honestly, I hate to say it and I don't mean to be suspicious or, or try to attack his character. I'm not, but I think that right now, I think my Lamar might be embellishing his PCL injury a little tiny bit. So he doesn't have to play in the playoff to drive his own draft stock up to, to drive his own dollar price up. Cause if he might be sitting there going, okay, fine, you guys don't want to pay me what I'm worth. Let's see how you do without me. He's pulling the no, Zach Morris. In the Friends Forever fucking episode, okay? I, I, I'm not saying that. I, I mean, that's definitely a viable situation. And 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 I'm not saying I'm not I'm not trying to attack Lamar's character. I'm not. I'm just saying is if you look for him, that's the price of doing business, not for nothing in the league. I mean, it's how many fucking thing. players pull that shit? It's a business thing, um, but I don't think that the Jets will have like if we have to trade for Lamar Jackson, they're going to be like, all right, we we want freaking. Elijah Moore and fucking Sauce Gardner and your first three picks, like your your next three first round picks and your first and second round this year. I would give them Elijah Moore. They have no shot with Sauce Gardner. I would give them ask for Garrett Wilson or or Sauce Gardner. It's gonna happen. I, or I get it. I would give them Quentin Williams. I would give them. I would definitely give him Quentin Williams because I think I he's. I I wouldn't because I'm not saying he's not a he's not a generational talent. I'm saying in the position that he plays. It could he could be replaced with somebody that's not a generational talent, but, but he can't. He can't because we tried that this year and nobody else got sacks because he wasn't applying pressure up the middle. I we get it. I get it. But overall, what's going to be a difference maker on a team? Lamar Jackson or Williams? I don't know. Eli Eli Manning won two Super Bowls with fucking Michael Strahan and OCU Minora, and he was that's a fair. mediocre quarterback. That's, I mean, I mean, uh, and Jason I mean, the fucking. Uh, Jason, I mean, you look at you look at look at fucking uh uh, uh, uh Joe Flacco one with fucking uh Haloti Nata as a defensive yeah. tackle nose tackle fucking uh uh what's his face one with Sap Brad uh Brad Johnson one with Sap you know like being having a strong up the middle defensive tackle middle linebacker and your safety that's like having a great catcher shortstop and center fielder in baseball. Yeah, you know? I, 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 yeah, but if you, you, you're running out, you know, somebody that's going out there and throwing floater pitches on the mound, where are you getting? That, that depends. I, I don't know. Ask Sidney Ponson. Not Sidney <laughs> Ponson. I'm sorry. Jamie Moyer. Ask Jamie Moyer, who's throwing 78 miles an hour at his, at the end of his career with a, with a, with a, like a 4.09 ERA. There's somebody right now in Major League Baseball who has a five something ERA and he throws 97. But Jamie um, Moyer played baseball for the Phillies, throwing throwing seventy eight fastballs. Not there's nobody balls. on the Jets that are that is Jamie Moyer a quarterback, dude. And honestly, not, like Joe, dude, the, the fact that the Jets ran Joe Flacco out there again, it's like anybody that didn't realize what he was from from Jump Street, from when Zach Wilson got hurt at the beginning of the season. I'd rather watch Zach Wilson lose than than see Joe Flacco go out there and just like, well, I'm getting paid, so I have to stand here. 
I uh listen again. I I, I don't feel like there's anybody on the Jets that's that's Jamie Moyer right now. What I am saying is that I don't think Jimmy G is is that significant of an upgrade, especially with his injury history. He's way a way better upgrade, dude. Only in Lafleur's offense. No, I'm sorry. He is a better upgrade than anybody we have right now. You're right. If I have to sit there and pick between David Carr, fucking Jimmy G, or Lamar Jackson, Jimmy G's on the bottom of the list. I'd I trade for Aaron Rodgers before I ever thought about Jimmy You would G take Carr out. over Jimmy G? You're out of your mind. Absolutely. Not a Absolutely. chance. Absolutely. Carr's played full seasons for like the last six years. Jimmy G hasn't. We already I, had quarterbacks on the fucking injured list all season. Dude, I'm not. I'm not. No. I'm Carr taking Carr over him every day. Carr throws for 4,000 yards every year. I'm sorry. He's Carr done. had a bad year this year. Fair enough. But look who his fucking coach is. I'm sorry. Josh McDaniels ain't it. He fucking no, sucks. I, I, He'll be I the agree. Of the Patriots in like another season. Anthony says they shouldn't have played Flacco. Some were saying because he may retire, the Jets owe him nothing to play him one last game in his career. Better off play- playing Wilson. Anthony, if you're going to have so much fucking input, why don't you come on the goddamn show? Can't get COVID through the internet. <laughs> but but I, I would take Carr over him. I would take Carr yeah. over him. And here he goes. More... Anthony would take car two bad year, but he can throw it. Look at his past numbers. Jimmy G is a game manager and he's right. Jimmy G is a game manager. And we have seen how jet fans feel when their quarterback is a game manager. We have seen Anthony says he can't stop coughing. Stop smoking weed. Then take, then take the guy out of your mouth. Yeah. Right. Stop gagging. <laughs> yeah. But uh, unless you have some final thoughts on the jets, uh, maybe a who did you, like Frank Reich would be a great, uh, Offensive coordinator. Um, yeah. They're talking about De- uh, uh, Bevins from the, the Dolphins, who's with, uh, you know, he came from, I want to say Seattle or 40 or, or San Francisco. Daryl Bevins did. Um, there, there's a lot of names out there. I honestly don't really care who they pick as long as that person has a, like, and, and somebody asked this question, like, if you were Woody Johnson, what five questions would you ask of Robert Sala and, and Joe Douglas? Um, with regard to like what happened this season, and you know, a lot of people are like, "What the fuck are you thinking?" And they're they're not looking at it from a business aspect. Um, they're looking at it from like a fan aspect. And you also have to bear in mind that if you're a fan or you're the owner, right? Unless you're an owner like they were eighty years ago when the owner used to be the head coach, like, and he he lived football, he played football, and then one day he was just like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna start my own fucking team," and he became the owner. But he previously was like a Hall of Fame player and there are there are owners like that and i can't think of any off the top of my head but like a lot of the old school owners like original nfl owners were former players that became managers that that had a little capital because they were players so they had money and they just started their own team um all that being said uh as far as like questions that i asked i was like i so like the first question i was asking was like how does like, like, what do you think happened? What went wrong? If the coach and the GM, and I would ask them separately, I would not ask them together. I'd ask them separately because if they're not on the same sheet of music and you ask one, what went wrong and you ask the other, what went wrong and they give you different answers. That's a problem. Like off the rip, because then they don't have a concise answer on how to fix it. Like if, if you and I are mechanics together, right. And you, and the owner of the auto body shop goes, what's wrong with that car? And I go the alternator and you go the starter. One of us is fucking wrong. Yeah. It can, 
I, I mean, there's a odds are that like it possibly could be both, but the fact that we both can't identify the same things, that's a problem, you know? Right. So that was one of them. The other one was like, all right, how, how do we fix it? If they don't have a plan on how to fix it, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. What's the timeline for you to fix it? You have to put an end date about when it will be done. As a leader, as a boss, you have to tell your employee, like, listen, how long do you think? Let them hang themselves. They have to give you a reasonable answer. Like, how long do you think it'll take to fix this problem that we have? And if they I give you something the question, unreasonable, fire their ass. I think the question that would be the most, like, especially when it comes to Sala, would be at the start of the year, the expectations were X. And then at the end of the year, I think we exceeded expectations. But knowing that we found this talent almost immediately between the defense and the offense, and the quarterbacks weren't able to get the job done as far as the game plan we drew up. Why weren't you able to create a game plan around the strengths and cover their weaknesses better? I think that's that's a question that's like, did you even think about that? Did you even think towards, listen, Zach Wilson can win, but against this defense and against this team, and we got to score this many points, we got to generate offense X, Y, and Z because he's going to get picked apart with his defense. Or he doesn't look players off enough, so the safeties are going to eat him up today. Yeah, I think that's that's something that they never answered and they never put a game plan together I think offensively to let any one quarterback succeed. I think it was just, uh, well, if you were Joe Namath, you'd be able to win. It's like, well, fucking not everybody's Joe Namath, asshole. That's a great, that's a great point. So my five questions was, were what do you think happened? And I would ask Salah and Douglas separately. What do you think yeah. happened? What went wrong? All right. What are your thoughts on how to fix it? What do you need from me as a leader? You should always be asking your subordinate, what do they need from you? Right. Like it's easy to sit there and pound the table and go, you owe me, you do this for me, but you have a skin in the game too. It's your fucking business. So right. if you ask your employee or you ask your subordinate, like, Hey, what can I do to help? If they say nothing, fine. But if they say, listen, I'm gonna need you to open your fucking wallet. Or I'm gonna need you to talk to somebody. I'm gonna need you to do. Then that's what you got. You got to get invested as well. Like you can't just sit right. there and be like, wave a wand and be like, so fucking do it and walk away. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We saw that with the whole fucking two years, three years that, that, that Woody was in England and his brother was running the show and fucking hired Adam. I'm not going to say his name. Fuck that guy. But we saw that. You can't be hands off. You can be like, I'm not going to get hands on, but you can't be completely like zoned out and not give a fuck. That's just fucking right. crazy. That's that's where you start getting into like the Oakland Athletics world of, of fucking sports, you know, like where you just don't yeah. give a fuck about anything. You know, like that, it just it, it's just terrible. And then What's your end time hack? Like, all right, so how long do you expect this to take? And then the last question is like, when do we start? Do we start today? Do you need to reevaluate things for a week? I want to know when you're starting and I want to know when it's fucking done. And this is what I expect when it's over. Right. You know, you lay out ex expectations and realistic expectations. Don't sit there and say, oh, a fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, let's get some realistic ones. We haven't won a Super Bowl in like 60 years. Like, it's like it's not 60. 50, 53 years you know like we have to let's win a playoff game. game that's win a fucking playoff game win a fucking playoff game i even think if you sat there and you were like fucking win the division i don't think that's crazy and then, oh what do you mean going from last place to first place dude we beat the bills this year 
We fucking beat the Bills with Zach Wilson as our quarterback. I, Winning I, the division is not said it all year, dude. The Bills should have been a lot more dominant than they were. And I told my cousin, who's a diehard Bills fan, I said, if you're confident going into the playoffs, knowing who has beat you this season, you're a fucking liar. You're lying to yourself. If you're not scared with how your team performed in their losses and knowing that obviously it can happen on any given day because of the teams you lost to this year, if you're confident going through the playoffs, you're a fucking liar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my last talking point, I just want to say, LOL, Mets. Mets fans were so jazzed about getting fucking Carlos Correa. And Carlos Correa has had, like, the weirdest fucking offseason I've ever seen in Major League Dude, Baseball. does he have, like, a third arm growing out of his ass or something like that when he goes takes his physical? Everybody's like, whoa. I don't know. I, I will say this, though. Like, uh, granted, you know, contracts in baseball are guaranteed. So no matter how many years you get, you kind of still hope, like, I- I'll play baseball for 50 years if you're going to give me $2 billion. Right. You still owe me that money regardless of whether or not I play. And I'll continue right. to play until you pay me out. Um, but he did get a, a larger a, uh, annual. Um, he did get a, lar- a larger annual from the Twins than he did from either the Giants or the uh, or the Mets. Um, I-, I believe his contract with the Twins is six years, $200 million. Um, If I extrapolate that, hold on, $200 million. Divided by six, it's thirty-three million. The, the Giants and the Mets were only offering like twenty-six yeah. per year. So I mean, yeah, you're right. He's not getting four fifty over thirteen years. He's also not working until he's forty-three. Because to me, in my brain, like when I saw the Trout contract for three hundred million or whatever it was, right? I remember stopping there and going, thinking like, how much is enough? Like, I if somebody gave me three hundred million dollars right now, I'd be like, I don't even fucking know what to do with that. I would know what to do with it. Like, I know a few things to do with it, but, like, the reason, like, like you know me. Like, I'm not fucking crazy. I don't go travel in the world and shit. I'd probably pay off my house. I, I might go all. buy a ranch in the middle of the fucking nowhere and fucking build a bar and, and I'd, like, fucking build, like, houses for my buddies and we'd all just ride horses to the bar. But that's not $300 million worth of money. Like, that's that might be, like, $20 million. The rest of that money I'm just going to put in the fucking, like, in the bank and get, like, a money manager to fucking fuck around with it like what am i gonna do with that like like i i love people like oh i'll buy 30 cars what the fuck are you gonna do with 30 you only have one ass how are you gonna get 30 cars i would do terrible things with that money all right terrible, and blow. terrible things no not even that not even that in like, my head if you had all that money you'd be biff when he's rich and fucking back to the future part two no again not even that like i think i'd just be like i dude i i think i'd just be like in a bar like buying drinks for everybody and then i'd go to the bathroom Go pee in the ice in the urinal, and then like some guy would stand there next to me at the next urinal, and be like, "Yo, dude, I'll give you a thousand dollars. You eat that fucking ice right now." But that dude, three hundred million dollars. What the fuck are you gonna you gonna do that uh, three hundred million times? No, I'm just saying. I would do like <laughs> I would do this terrible, terrible shit. It's like, yo, dude, I want to build the world's biggest skyscraper and then jump off of it. It's like, all right, I'm an investor. I'll watch you jump off of it. But I'm not liable, even- am I? Even the stuff that you do will still gain money. Like, for instance, you're like, I'd go to a bar and buy drinks for everybody. How about you just buy the fucking bar and give out drinks? Because you're still going to make money on the days you're not at the bar. I mean. I'm not a fucking genius on the stretch. I think I'd be one of those crazy people, like, to buy a fucking old abandoned water park and then just, like, run it into the fucking ground. (laughs) Even worse than it already is. TJ. It's $300 million. That might cost you like $100,000. 
$300 million. Dude, I would buy one of those super yachts just to be like, yo, we're going to follow Jeff Bezos around and his yacht for like 100 days, and I'm going to moon him every morning. T, $300 million. A super yacht is not $300 million. I could blow through that money. I mean, I, I think you would try. It would be like you would be fucking hiring fucking Eddie Money to sing songs to you because you wouldn't be able to figure out how to fucking blow that money. I'd be so much. It'd be so much worse than that. I would like, dude, I would pay like Elon Musk to send Kiss to space, but like on a one way trip because fuck them. They're old and they got to stop making comeback tours. Would <laughs> really actually be the spaceman? <laughs> It's mostly just to get rid of Gene Simmons because he's a fucking douche. You'd pay fucking money for the guys in Kiss to actually live the fucking characters they play. You'd send East Freely into space. You'd send fucking Gene Simmons to hell. Oh my god! <laughs> Come on, like I, there's so many, there's so many opportunities. Like I, I would walk around Yankee Stadium when, and every time I'm there, if the Yankees start losing, I start paying fans to run out on the field naked. Just like I did, dude, seventh inning stretch, everybody do it. Dude, there would be people that are there. Yankee Stadium seats like 52,000 people. If you gave them all 10 grand, there's still only $520,000. That'd be an awesome night. And do it for five grand. How long do you think I could get the game delayed if I made them all like do it at like one minute intervals? <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? But, but but back to the LOL Mets. Mets fans are so fucking jazzed. They, you know what though? They should be, dude. I'm happy for Mets fans, and I'm yeah, sick of when they run everything in my fucking face because they think like, dude. It, it, I'm happy for the Mets fan that appreciates what they have right now compared to what they used to deal with. Okay, I'm sick of the Mets fans that all of a sudden they got a little clout and they got like a little money to spend. And they're like, yeah, the Yankees are our little brother. It's like, dude, go fuck yourself. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. You have no idea what you're talking about. If you say that one more time, like, I'm, I'm remanding you to the Barkley Center. Fans talking shit to Jets fans because we haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. Meanwhile, they haven't won a game in the playoffs since in 21 years. Dude, it's it it just makes no sense. Like, stop stop trying to. The best is like when Islander fans are like the Islanders are New York's team. It's like really because the Rangers run. New York, as the as far as viewing goes, the Rangers own New York, New Jersey, Alaska, and like two provinces in Canada. The Islanders have zero fucking play in any other state, let alone their own. It's um, dude, dude we it's took the, New Jersey, and Jersey only has one professional sports team. I was uh, I was watching um, a lot of Degrassi and, and their provinces. Sorry to hear that. Providences in Rhode Island, provinces are in Canada. Whatever, same. It's Canada. Who cares? Am I offending somebody? Did I not I say it in, in, in French? I've been watching Degrassi, and I, I've seen Degrassi the Next Generation, and I've been watching. I've been watching Degrassi Junior High. I've been feeling nostalgic. Um, couple things. One, if you didn't know anything about Canada, all right, and you watch Degrassi, you're going to be like, especially the Next Generation, you're going to sit there and go, "Oh my God, they have the most beautiful fucking schools with the most technologically advanced fucking classrooms." But by God, if there ain't somebody getting fucking knocked up at in, in fucking at 13 years old or getting stabbed or fucking shot or cancer every week in Canada, Canada's fucking lit, bro. Listen, it's really easy to build nice schools when you're socialist and you take 60 percent of people's paychecks. All I know is they're socialists and their kids are getting knocked up in school and getting cancer and touched by well, it's, teachers. It's free week. to like get, you know, you, you go to go to the hospital and you get rid of that kid or, you know, keep the cancer or whatever they do in Canada because you know they're ass backwards. 
Canada is fucking crazy. Like, if you watch Degrassi and you don't know nothing about Canada, you're like, oh my God, the schools in Canada are fucking ghetto. Every week somebody's getting shot or stabbed or and they're diverse as fuck. I've never seen a school with like Chinese. That's not true at all, though. That's like the biggest farce ever. Canada is like one of the dude, Canada's like Scandinavia. There's zero diversity. They we call talk. it the Great White North for a reason. Okay. Well, I don't know why they call it the Great White North because once it starts snowing, fucking every other race is smart and like, yo, fuck this. Who wants to stay here? Great. The pond froze. Eight months out of the year. I don't skate, bitch. Two things, all right? Or three things. One, The Rock is Canadian. He's Samoan. Uh, his father's from Canada. Canada, Samoa. No, his mother is Samoan. His father is Canadian. His father's can- African Canadian. It's on Rocky That's one. Johnson. That's one. Two, J.R. Uh, uh, R.J. Barrett. He's Canadian. I don't know if you knew that. Went to school Dude. in America. Totally Canadian. Dude. And three, Aubrey Graham is also Canadian. You may know him as Wheelchair Jimmy or Drake. He's also Canadian. You, you've named three people, and everybody else only names those same three people. <laughs> well, that's not, but that's not fair, though, because fucking, isn't Ryan Reeves Canadian? Is, is it he? PK Subban Canadian? I'm pretty sure Ryan Reeves is Canadian. Yeah, PK Subban is Canadian. I don't know about Ryan Reeves. Now, I know, I know, uh, uh, I know that, uh, Keandre uh, Miller, he's American. He's from Minnesota, eh? Oh, damn. Um, oh, I mean, but that's still kind of Canada, no? Yeah, Ryan Reeves you, is you, totally from Canada. You Ryan live Reeves the same life if you're in, in Minnesota. Ryan Reeves is from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. But speaking of hockey, awesome segue, go. Ranges. Ooh, boy, seriously, I was all fucking jazzed up. I've been waiting to get on this podcast to talk Rangers hockey to talk about in the last 16 games, they've been 12, 2, and 2, and then they lose to the fucking Devils. They blow it to the oh, Devils. No, I don't give a fuck what he says. He watched. He watched. He definitely I know he watched. Did. He definitely watched. Dude, oh, my God. Like, de- oh, my God, that sucks so bad. That sucks so bad. So bad. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Talk about absolutely just purposely. Like, that's literally like the equivalent of, like, when your kid walks out and you and your wife are watching something on TV and it's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And it's like, all right. And then you like, you, you drop everything and you take your kid to the bathroom because you know, like when you have a toddler, you have to help them in the bathroom. And then they look at you and just go, and they just fire it out in their pants. Cause that's what the Rangers did. They looked at every one of their fans and just unanimously shit themselves. And, and I'm not talking like a little nugget of rosebud in the underwear. No, I, I'm talking about like a full, White Castle liquidy dump, like where you probably have to change the floors out. Like it's seeped down, it, it's through the carpet, it's now in the subfloor, and a contractor is going to come there and be like, I can't do this for you, sir, because I have a weak stomach. Like that's what the Rangers did in that fucking game. That game meant so much to just a rivalry aspect to a Ranger fan that wants to see the fucking Rangers kick the shit out of the Devils because we had to listen to the Devils talk shit. All season long, because the Devils have finally found a way to win. They're finally they're finally relevant, and they're still not really relevant because people in their own state don't even know they still have a fucking team. Okay, talk to somebody from New Jersey, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know, dude. I watch the Flyers or I watch the Phillies, and that's it." Like, 
They they have no no semblance of anything. They're like, oh shit, the Devils are still a team. Like, but I have to hear Devil fans talk shit because they're finally winning, and, and um, Jack Hughes is finally scoring goals. Like, how many fucking goals does he have in the postseason? Zero. That's right. Shut up. Every fucking dude, the guy could be the way, next Wayne Gretzky. If he never scores a goal in the postseason, what does it fucking mean? It means nothing. Congratulations. Wayne Gretzky called your organization a Mickey Mouse organization. That's all you need to know. You're a joke. And I, the Rangers had the opportunity to shut them up just a fucking little bit because these people are out of their mind. They're living in a dream world where they think they're fucking relevant. Dude, you, you guys suck. You all suck. Your fan base sucks. The Prudential Center sucks. You had to put it in literally one of the worst economic places in your state. That's where you had to put that arena. It's like, hey, well, we could put it here where people might actually attend the game, but I think it'd be more fun to put it here where 90% of our fans will get robbed on the walk to the fucking stadium. The organization blows. All that being said, the Devils are only two points ahead of the Rangers, who started the season off on a very, very rocky ground. Um Capo Caco seems to have come around a little bit. He's having a much better season than he He's had. He's an assist past. machine. He is an assist machine. Dude, between him and Miga Zabanajad, the way they find each other with those passes, it's, it, it's magnetic. It is magnetic. The goals that they have scored, and honestly, the Rangers coming. So what the Rangers did well last year, right, was put the puck in the back of the net. And a lot of that was on the heels of Chris Kreider having the season of his life. And yeah. he's not having that season. He's having a Chris Kreider season this year. He may score 36 goals this year, if that. And yet the Rangers are still finding a way to win. And the kids are finally waking up, other than Lafreniere, who I think honestly has been hamstringed by Gerard Gallant in very much the way people like JT Miller were hamstrung by fucking John Tortorella who doesn't know how to take talent and mold it into, you know, a good player. Okay. If you watch Lafreniere this year, he's just lost. He's a shell of himself. And even when he gets the puck on the stick, he doesn't know what to do with it. And I blame Gerard Gallant because you know, that kid's thinking nothing of, Oh man, is this going to be the reason why I get benched? And then you, I got to watch Sammy play, get fucking penalty after penalty after penalty and still be out there. But you know what though? That's, that's the same thing that we saw with Zach Wilson, the young kid, they're, they're roughly the same age, right? With Zach Wilson's 23. What, what's Lafreniere, 20, 21, something like that? 22, if that. 22. You know, when you're sitting there and you have that Chuck Knobloch situation where you're afraid that every time you do something, that if you make a mistake, it's your last fucking mistake. That's a yeah. lot to weigh on your shoulders and you start second guessing the thing that you're naturally good at. Oh, absolutely. You're like, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And yeah, you're right. I see that with Lafreniere. And I saw the other night, I saw Kako throw him a pass on an easy one. Yeah. And he and, and I think it got intercepted. Right in the goalie's chest. Yeah. And 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 Sam was saying, like, fucking Kako needs to shoot right there. And and I want to say uh Joe was like, he's trying to get Lafreniere going. He's trying yeah. to give him some confidence, get him a fucking goal. And you know what? Fucking veteran move by Kako trying to help out the young guy who's just like a year younger than he a is. A year younger than him. You know I, listen, I mean? like, Kako, Kako is learning his role as, and it's not that he's not a goal scorer, but he is very good with that quick pass across uh, essentially the slot. 
And I, I, dude, I love Steve Valcat breaking down in between periods. Not that I don't love uh, Henrik Lundqvist because I mean, just staring at Henrik Lundqvist is is a treat in itself. And I'm, I am all man. I'm as hetero as they come. But if you're a guy and you can't look at Henrik Lundqvist and like just know that he's handsome as fuck, I don't know what to tell you. You're lying to yourself. You're full of shit. Kevin Costner and Shawn Michaels had a baby. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud, absolute stud. But I love Steve Valcat's breakdowns in between periods uh dude he does it like it it reminds me of uh stepbrothers like putting in the work (laughs) today we put liquid paper on a beat it died like he breaks down like quality shots on goal and he gave a statistic that said essentially when you cross the line in the slot when that puck crosses the slot and a, a pass is made across the slot and then is shot on goal versus coming straight in it goes in two out of the three times versus one out of three. Like nobody else is sitting there like making those adjustments and making those number breakdowns. Like, like that's something as a coach that Gerard Gallant should be saying, make that last minute pass across the slot every chance you get because statistically they have a better chance of going in. That's something that somebody that's an analyst is sitting there going like, you need to make that last second pass. You know, what's so, what's so crazy is uh, Balakat also noticed that on a one-on-one, or a two-on-one, if you cross the circles with one foot in the circle, one side, one foot out, and you shoot from there, it goes in like 50% of the time. Crazy. As opposed to driving on the fucking net, or, or or like you said, going straight down the middle. If you have one, or or entirely in the circle, or entirely out of the circle. Like he showed, so he was like, watch these 55 goals. One foot in, one foot out. And yeah. all of them went in. And I'm sitting there going, and he goes, it's the same guy shooting the same guy gets the same goalie look where he is two feet out of the fucking circles watch him miss dude watch he's like rain fucked. man but instead of being like five foot five he's like six seven i i am always shocked when i see how big he is he, dude he's a but giant yeah, the Rangers are on right now they're losing to the dallas stars one zero here in the third period early on in the third period 16 about 16 and a half left in the in the game uh, Listen, the way the, the way the playoffs are shaping up, I, I have no doubt in my mind that the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. I think that it's going to matter very much where they enter the playoffs and where they seed in the playoffs because you have a lot of teams that are doing very well this season and a lot of teams that are a threat to put up goals on you uh, pretty quickly if you don't play the way they played, especially defensively last year, because Igor Shosturkin is not having the year he had last year. With that being said, Halak is a amazing number two in net. I think he might be one of the best in the last 10 or 15 years that we've had. He's he's exciting to watch. He makes saves that he shouldn't make. It, dude, I, I really enjoy watching Halak play the net. I'm not saying that I'd rather see him play over Shesterkin. Not at all. But I have a confidence in Halak when Shisterkin needs a night off that I haven't had in a few years. So I, I think, especially with, you know, compared to Gorgiev, Gorgiev's having a pretty decent year this year. Um, but you know what bothered I, me about Gorgiev? He couldn't stop a fucking one-on-one to save his life. Dude, he couldn't stop a breakaway or a shootout, like, ever. And then we face him in a shootout, and he, he wins. And I at fucking Stonewall, and I was like, what the fuck? Where was this shit for the fucking three years you were with us? Yeah, 100%. But I, I I think that's something going forward, especially at this point in the season. 
the the Halak playing net and giving just Durkin some time off to maybe find that, you know, just lights out goalie that he was last year and bring that into the postseason. I think that's instrumental in in moving forward. So I love I love watching Halak play. So um, you wanted to talk uh, anything else to throw down for the Rangers? Um, I think it. I, at this point, like I said, in 16 games, we're 12, 2, and 2. Uh, really, we should have been 13, 2, and 1, but whatever. Um, I think the Rangers are definitely, they've made strides and, and have improved vastly compared to, let's say, their first 15 games going into the season. I, I mean, when we were all essentially freaking the fuck out, you know, for lack of yeah. a better words, part of my French. Oh yeah, I was I was losing my shit. Yeah. So I think the Rangers are doing the right thing. I think maybe uh, expectations are uh, still a little presumptuous and a little high going forward. But I think that we're not wrong to have those expectations, especially coming off of last year and seeing the talent that still remains on this team. Um, and seeing how, like we said, Kako has developed – you did. We don't have the year that uh, Kreider ha- had last year, but we also don't have the Mika Zibanejad slump that we dealt with last season either. Um, That's true. I think Philip Heedle has been awesome going forward this year. I think he's been tremendous. Adam Fox looked great too. Adam Fox, absolutely. I think Truba's yeah, lacking a little bit. I think Truba needs to start, you know, stepping up and throwing some big hits and getting his team in into it because I feel like there's they're they're definitely lacking the grit that they had last year as well. I want to see them mix it up a little bit. I want to see them get a little nasty. I want to see them get, you know, more physical, especially in front of our own net. And that's the one thing. And I, you know, people try to call me out on it on, on Facebook and uh, rather Twitter about me saying that this is on the defense, the the loss to the devils. And they're like, how are you going to put it on the defense when um, uh, Goudreau made a perfect pass to Jack Hughes, you know, to, for him to score that goal? And I said, because in the past five rushes, the de- the defense has been beaten by the offense about four times. There's there's an offenseman in between or behind the defense going into our zone, and that can't happen. Jack Hughes was hanging the entire second and third period, and nobody's picking him up as if you can't figure out that that's what he's doing. He's hanging. He's leaving the zone early, picking up those stretch passes and taking advantage. And the fact that nobody's adjusting to that is an issue. But I defensively tighten it up, offensively score more goals, and I really hope to see something big out of Lafreniere because, I mean, that's what we need. This is this is what I saw from the Rangers today, and I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it was actually a very uh, – you know, it, it, a lot of teams are doing this now to give you like a piece of like the team, like what it's like, you know, whatever. Um, but but this is what they had. Uh, it says, "What TV show are you binging right now?" Um, is that I don't know if the, is that you? Sp- I don't think so. Just finished Game of Thrones. Right. So before we continue, right now, just finished Game of Thrones, dude. Where the fuck have you been? Maybe he's talking about. Um- the new one, House of the yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I'll buy that. All right. Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders is good. Nothing on TV, but. Uh, no TV show. No TV show. I like. I watch Royal Skyling. 
Premier League. Right now, but most recent was Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is a good show. Pollock has no idea. Uh, Sinner. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Combo. Combo. Fucking left. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to show that Kako. Climb through the fucking boards so he could avoid talking to this woman. And she was like, Are you serious? <laughs> he was like, You see that door over there? I gotta interact with you if I go through that door. Dude, Fuck that I, door. I'm not, I'm not trying to make assumptions, <laughs> but Kako failing through that opening in the door was like the woman posing that question. He spent a night with her, and then she refused to leave in the morning. And he also changed apartments to avoid her. <laughs> he climbed, dude. They had a board missing, and he was like, "Oh shit, there she is!" And fucking went through the window. He, Brilliant. I think, if that opening wasn't there, may have healthy scratched himself to avoid that situation. I feel like, I feel like he laid, he laid the good pipe, and he's been getting followed around by that woman. <laughs> he just wants out. And she goes, Capo, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. fucking <laughs> kept going. <laughs> Dude, you, you, you need to dub in fucking Garth. Psycho hose beast. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, she my tried God. To that question and Kako was like. Denied. <laughs> <laughs> Good but, call. Uh, Talk some PGA, some 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 golf, right? Let's go. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Uh, this time of year, I often get very excited because um, essentially we're just waiting for the lead in to like. I think it's the most epic part of the golf year. I really do, and I understand. You know, given the time of year, uh, you still got either <laughs> you know the Presidents Cup or the Ryder Cup it, that usually comes towards the uh, middle to the end of the golf season. Uh, the open, all the all that good stuff, but especially here in the Northeast where it's cold out, we're not playing golf outside right now. I mean, not for nothing, it's not that cold. That was like fifty degrees today in January. Not bad. Pouring rain though. Yeah, yeah, pouring rain, but it's better than snow. But I always get excited this time of year because you just have the lead up. You're just watching that schedule of. You, you have uh, the, what's it called? The Masters, obviously, coming up, but you have the Arnold Palmer Invitational. You have. Palmer, do it, like, this, this is time of year. This off of doing nothing than Arnold Palmer. Like, oh, wow, he mixed two fucking drinks together and now he's fucking famous. <laughs> Dude, he, I mean, he's, he's just a drink mogul. I mean, come on now. <laughs> But so I mean I think me me personally I I think for me the golf season officially starts at the Pebble Beach Pro Am just because I love seeing Pebble Beach which essentially was underwater as of last week I don't know if you saw that video uh, rising tide and uh, they had a storm hit the coast and it wiped out one of the par threes along the wow. coastline which was insane um, but I think Pebble Beach opens it up for me as far as like all right the golf season is here. Phoenix Open after that. Genesis Open is always epic. I, I love the Genesis Open just because they play Riviera. And Riviera is one of those courses that, like, are so hard that you get, like, some of the most exciting, uh, like, F-ups in, in golf. Like, 
somebody will like put it off the green and then make a seven. It's like, holy shit, I'm not the only one that makes a seven. It's like, but I'm making a seven out of Muni on a par four that was only 315 yards. Like, I don't like all this vernacular. Again, Muni. Municipal golf course. Essentially a city-owned. But I don't course. like the fact that you said it. Honda Classic, then Arnold Palmer Invitational. That that just, uh, if you don't watch that, you don't like golf. I, I don't know what to tell you at Bay Hill. Uh, and then you go right into, dude, the players. Texas Open right before the Masters. The Texas Open is always awesome because you're watching it and <laughs> all anybody is talking about is the Masters. It's like, okay, and we got uh, Jordan Spieth lining up a putt. But next week is going to be epic because we're going back to Augusta. <laughs> like, It's just like that's all everybody wants to talk about. It's like, yeah, we're talking golf. I'm never going back to Augusta again. My boy got shot in Augusta. Fuck Augusta, all right? Listen, I'll get shot to attend the Masters. My last time down in Augusta was fucking, what was it? (laughs) May, April? No, May. It was May 2020 when we started this show. No, 21, my bad. 21, and I'm never going back. All right. I've been to jail and I ain't going back. I played Augusta National. It was all right, you know. Liar. And then uh and I came false. back home. Fuck it. I'm done. False. Not false. Truth. You can't lie like that. Who's lying, bro? I was there. You. I got the ticket. Uh-uh. I, I want to see it. I'm like that guy, bro. I'm like that guy that got the accidental uh invitation Dude. to the match. I, I mean, tip of the cap to the other Scott, Scott Stalling. Stalling. Not, Scott not Stalling. With, not to be confused with Scott Sterling. Tip of the cap to him for, like, reaching out to the actual PGA pro, Scott Stalling, and letting him know he accidentally got his invitation to the Masters because 110%, I am showing the fuck up with my bag, and I am shooting 145 and I'm getting booed out of there. And if they try to be like, no, we sent it to the wrong place. And I say, this is my ID. You sent it to this address under this name. This is me to a T. I will fucking sue you people if you don't let me play. And I guarantee you, Rook would be like, yeah, that's a home run win. Like, they can't invite yeah. you there. And then you take time out of your day to go there. And they're like, no, you can't play. I would have been like, like, dude, you don't want me to play and embarrass the, this tournament? I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want guest passes once a year for me and three of my friends and family. I, uh... Uh, Scott Stalling, not to be confused with Scott Sterling, the brilliant goalkeeper. So the different people, just in case you didn't know. Tell me, tell me, you don't hold the the. I'm a piece of shit for doing this, but I hold the Masters like hostage. I'm like, listen, I'm going out there and playing. This is my lawyer. I will own the first eight holes on this course unless you let me play, or we work out a deal where I can come here once a year and play with. Three of my friends. I want to force them once a year. This is Scott Stalling. Just so everybody's clear. We're not talking about tremendous athlete who won me lots of money last year, placing in top tens. I will say that a guy that has had a stellar PGA career, but is often overlooked because he doesn't rack up the wins, but has made a reemergence this late in his career. I think he's been a PGA pro for about 14 or 15 years. And as big fitness guy and is just, you know, one of those people that transformed his body and respects his body enough to be like, listen, I want to play professionally as long as I can and, and, you know, make money. 
Because listen, that's the way you make money in the PGA. You got you got to win. You got to win money. That's the only way you make money. You got to win money, or else it's just costing you money to fly yourself and your caddy out there to lose and not make the cut. So reinvented himself, made a lot of money last year, uh, finished in top tens a few times, made me some money. Love Scott Stalling, but. If my name was Scott Stalling and that shit came to my house, I'm sorry, Scott. I would have dicked you out big time and went there for my opportunity to stand on those hollow grounds and 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 just hold the, the PGA and the Masters hostage until they let me play there at some point and gave me a goddamn a pimento cheese sandwich for my troubles. <laughs> Anything else on the PGA you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm really excited for, uh, I think it's February 13th, the Netflix special comes out following the PGA Tour, and the best part about it is they got about halfway through filming, and then uh, half their freaking cast switched over to live, and they just rolled with it, which was great, because you know they Netflix had to deal with the PGA Tour, you know the PGA Tour is essentially blackballing anybody any, having anything to do with live, and they just kept rolling the film. And they documented essentially everything that was going on. So you have possibly the most, I, I would say, you know, explosive year business-wise for the PGA Tour with the, you know, creation of Live and the sex success that they had um, and the disruption to what the PGA essentially is trying to make a monopoly on golf. But you have it now documented with some of the greatest players in the game. I mean, it, I'm excited to watch what happens. I'm excited to see it. And, and they have a lot. Dude, the cast of characters they have, I mean, it doesn't get more charismatic than Joel Damon. Um, you have Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and, and Ian Poulter and all these guys that are just polarizing figures in, in the golf world. I think it's going to be awesome. I think you're going to see shit that, like, the, to get Poulter's the inside the behind the curtain, is going to be awesome. Ian Poulter's the guy with the pants. Yes. And I respect this caddy for like, just let the fucking guy tee off, dick. It's essentially what he said in his British accent. Who was the guy? Who, it was Ian Poulter's caddy, right? When I asked him, like, what the fuck is uh No, I think that what what uh that was Lee Westwood's caddy. What, 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 what was the team name? And I was like, You were like, what the that? fuck is a clique? And he's like, the fuck do I know? <laughs> That's what it was, a clique. Yeah. I was like, what? is a clique you're like dude and he looked up you're like what the fuck is a clique and he like shrugged he's like the fuck do i know (laughs) (laughs) dude we had a great time at live i i mean dude listen awesome time if you're a golf fan and you want to shit on live you're an idiot go to one of their tournaments and get that interaction with the players that we had i mean we were standing two feet away from uh phil mickelson the entire time the entire time Dude, he razzed Nick. He razzed gave me and my shit. brother a fist bump. My brother tried to fist bump him with a cigar in his hand, like an idiot with the wrong hand holding the cigar, and Phil Mickelson essentially knocked the cigar out of his hand. Like, you try to burn Phil, you piece of shit. But, dude, all, that is I, 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 brother get a job at my job. It's true. You don't let him touch food. Um, Jason Kokrak, what a, what a sweetheart of a guy. My father's like, hey, man, thanks for coming out. And he stopped, turned around, looked my father right in the eye, and was like, that's the nicest thing anybody has said to me this entire time thank you <laughs> and then like some dude next to him was like i said nice pants <laughs> like that guy was pissed <laughs> like, i acknowledge your pants sir 
Acknowledge me. He pulled a full a full Roman Reigns. Acknowledge me. How awesome was that? We're just like we're just standing there at the rope, like bullshit with caddies and stuff like that, and bullshit with the players. Like like it's totally normal. Like I literally, dude. Uh, dude, who is the Japanese player? I forget his name. Uh, I'm sorry, but I just it's not a name that you can easily remember. But he oh, hit he one. He was green. He wasn't. He was there because he was trying to be there. Like he was trying to be right. somebody. Because they had right. a mix of like fucking pros and people that are trying to be pros. Like they're right there at the edge. Right. And he put one to the left of the ropes into the yeah. rough. And when he walked over, like I literally walked over and I took the, the, the spike for the rope out and I laid it down. And they were like, oh, thanks. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm so close to you people. You guys are so trusting. I'm going to take your <laughs> nine iron and run away. I remember sitting there looking at Phil Mickelson going, wow, if I wanted to tackle Phil Mickelson, no one would stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I would never do that. But I remember thinking it real Phil, look out. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like Happy Gilmore, except I was the Volkswagen. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what, though? Honestly, and oh, I can man. confidently say this, if you and him squared up like, we're doing this, we're wrestling, and I walked over. I'm like, Phil, I got I got ten to one odds on you, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> I think you'd be like, fuck it. I can't let them down. I'd take a dive. <laughs> I'd take a dive real quick. Somebody would have RKO'd you out of nowhere. Some random fan. Just like I saved Phil Mickelson today. But I'm still in jail. <laughs> oh man. Great time. Dude, great time. I, I mean it that's the first ever golf event I've ever been to. I've never gotten a chance to go to a PGA event. Was able to go to that live golf event. They hooked us up with free tickets, uh, mostly because we are a podcast and we asked them for uh, credentials. And they essentially said, "Dude, you're asking for credentials in our only event in the tri-state area. Uh, we really can't do it for you, but we'll hook you up with free tickets." And then like, "Oh, hey, yeah, Nick, you're a service member. Sure, here's some free tickets." Yeah, I mean, yeah. we had so many free t- dude. We we could have like walked in there with a hundred people. The amount of free tickets they were very. Very generous with their tickets, and it's not like it was a cheap event to attend for the people that paid. So, well, I, I, I thank you very much, Live Golf, and I'm hoping something else is in our area this season. Um, the full list isn't out yet because I would 110% go back. I had a great time. I I had two complaints about the the event. One was uh, it was too hot. It was pretty hot. <laughs> my phone and my phone kept overheating, but obviously they can't control the weather, or can they? Um, and the other one being like, I guess they had members that were like members at that golf course and they were just kind of rude. And they were just like, I can't believe that I let these commoners on our golf course. And I like, fuck those people. I mean, listen, it was that Trump, that golf course, I want to say is like a $250,000 initiation fee. It's like 50 to $80,000 a year. For the fee. And the funny thing is, some of the uh, people volunteering were telling us, like, oh, yeah, no, I live right down the block. This this place doesn't have a high member count. Like, not a lot of people can afford to join here. Like, it's not. But, That's true. Which is fine. But the fact that, like, we're strangers standing in a crowd of 10 and two guys are just continuously like, I made that shot out of that bunker. It's like, we get it. You're a member here. Good for you. Now, go- shut the fuck up. I'm trying to watch Phil Mickelson. I also heard some comments that were very like, you know, like, what the fuck are the riffraff doing here? They just let anybody in here. Yeah. And it's like, you should be thankful that Phil Mickelson's playing your fucking course, bro. Yeah, seriously. 
Like, if that means that other people got to show up too, so be it. Like, at least you get to say I shared some grass with Phil Mickelson one day. Yeah, dude. I mean, listen, and, and you know, those idiots aside, it was still a great time. I, the food was great. The beverages were flowing. Um, the margaritas. Margaritas were sick. Dude, not for nothing. And given that it's in New Jersey, and if you ever attended a sports event in New York or New Jersey, uh, I would say even Connecticut, the prices are high for beers you're looking at anywhere from 10 to 14 bucks. Cocktails, forget it. If you ever attended a play in New York City, you get two ounces of alcohol in your mixed cocktail, and it's $27.99. And the drinks there were, what was it, seven bucks for beers? Yeah. Um, the, the margaritas were like eight bucks. Um, the free swag that they were giving out was awesome. We all walked in there. Uh, with, they were handing out ball markers and golf balls and koozies. And, I, I mean, you got free shit just that that water bottle was sick that they gave out the first day. I ended up giving it to my father because he's like, that's awesome. And they didn't have them the second day. Um, they they had free mini golf, a free chipping thing, an impossible putt challenge that my father sank right-handed and he's a lefty. Made us all look like idiots. Um, golf simulators where you could try out the newest clubs. They had a putting simulator, which essentially they moved the floor to different contours and made it like impossible to sink a putt. Uh it was just all around a fun time, and then just food trucks everywhere. At the end, they had the show, but unfortunately, the show didn't go down because um, I want to say it was the chain smokers. The chain smokers, like something happened, and they had to cancel. I think they had Wyclef Jean show up. I think they had food poisoning, and Wyclef showed up instead. But still, it's a free concert. Like, yeah. no, dude, absolutely, it was it was beautiful, and it was nowhere near as packed as it gets with PJ. My girlfriend events. enjoyed herself. Yeah, dude. My father had a great time. My brother had a great time. And and the, how about the fact that we had primo seats that second day when we figured yeah. out it's like, oh, wait, that's not a VIP booth. We could just go there and sit above these two tea boxes. Like, we were on camera the whole day. It was hilarious. Like, you hear, us, yeah, you hear us yelling crazy shit. And then we were taking turns like, all right, I'll go get the next eight beers. <laughs> and so we could keep our seats. Okay. And I will say this, like, there was a little, you know, hassling of, of the players, but like as far as the spectators go, everybody was very respectful of like your own personal space. Like when yeah. Phil was teeing off when we were above that tee box, it's not like people were like over our shoulders leaning on us <laughs> or anything like that. It's you could see where you could see, and nobody's on top of you. And in between people taking shots, everybody was just talking and bullshitting and and getting along in perfect harmony. We had those other kids that were standing next to that green when Phil was chipping on. Offering us like, yo, you guys dip. You guys want some dip? You guys need a beer? Like, we're like, no, we're good, dude. Thanks. Like, yeah, we're having a great time. Like, everybody was like, just nice as shit. So that that was one of those experiences where it's like, wow, you're gonna attend a sporting event without getting into an altercation, at least a verbal one. Awesome. But uh, anything else to say about golf before we sign off for the night? We're running long tonight. I love it's been a while. golf. Love golf. Again, rubbing it in everybody's face. I'm going to Scotland this year to play old Saint, the St. Saint Andrews Old Course. I just booked Tobacco Road down in North Carolina. I'm playing Mike Strand's classic Tobacco Road and then bringing it to South Carolina Myrtle Beach and playing True Blue. I'm really racking up the uh, bills on my golf game. And uh, I got to repair my gap wedge, which I broke last season. So. <laughs> How many times have you broken this season? 
Um, honestly, I went from two years ago, I think I broke two or three clubs. This year I only broke one. So I think that's a drastic improvement. I would I would say so. You know, um I, I'm I'm shooting for zero this year. Good luck with that. I, I'm gonna try. Don't embarrass us as Americans in St. Andrew, all right. Listen, the one thing that'll keep me from uh, breaking more clubs is ordering my golf bowls for uh, the great wholesale price by the dozen from Piper Golf. That'll go. keep my temperature down as far as getting angry. You know, when you pump one out to the right OB and that ball is gone forever, at least it's not a $4 ball. That's it's a three-piece construction, solid ball for a fraction of the price. Piper Golf. Check them out, and at least I'll look good rocking my pins and aces polos and head covers and ball markers because pins and aces, again, can't go wrong with some of the best swag out there for looking trendy on the golf course when you're a 15 handicap and you can't make par to save your life. Might as well look good. Pins and aces, check them out. Use our code, uh, what is it, Nick? I believe it's score 10 for pins and aces. That sounds about right. And... Piper was – where's Rook? So here's pen, Pins and Aces, is score pod. Score pod, cord, sorry. Score pod. And then uh, and score Piper 10 golf, is uh, Piper, golf. Piper Golf. All right. So Definitely check them out. Aces, it's score pod. For Piper Golf, it's score 10. Got to check them out. Two great companies. Cheap golf balls, but cheap price, but not cheaply made. Yeah. performing golf balls for a fraction of the price and pins and aces. Dude, if, if you don't know about pins and aces, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, check out their website. Look at their polos. Look at their head covers. Look at their ball markers. Look at the beer sleeves. I mean, talk about being able to sneak six, a six-pack of beer onto the golf course undetected. If you don't know about pins and aces, you're not a weekend warrior, and I don't respect you. <laughs> With that all being said, this is uh, Nick and TJ from the Scoreboard Addicts podcast. We appreciate you spending this time with us, and we'll catch you again real soon. Take care.